Hi there. You are listening to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. This is episode number 162. If you're new to the podcast, I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. I'm a board certified family practice doctor and a certified weight and life coach. I help women reverse type 2 diabetes, come off their meds, and live a naturally healthy life. This podcast is really dedicated to all things health, all things about how to live a naturally healthy life. I put this podcast out because I think this should be available to everybody, regardless of ability to pay for the help. Living a naturally healthy life is possible. The medical community is not going to tell you about this. That's why I'm here. So I am letting you know living a naturally healthy life without medications is totally possible. And this podcast is dedicated to telling you how. I received an email this week from a listener who sent me a copy of their hemoglobin A1C readings. In May of 2022, they had a hemoglobin A1C of 8.5. They listened to the podcast. They implemented the changes that I describe in the podcast. And by August 29th of 2022, they dropped their A1C to 5.3. Not only is that not diabetic, it's not pre-diabetic, and it is what is considered an optimal A1C. So I emailed this listener. They did want to say, in the interest of transparency, this was with the addition of metformin, but they felt like the work on the thought model was not to be discounted, and it was a powerful process. And of course, my email back to them was the their metformin was not what did this. Not that metformin doesn't help, and if you've listened to the podcast, you know how I feel about metformin. Metformin is a great medication, and it has a lot of evidence behind creating longevity in the human biochemistry. But metformin alone did not drop that hemoglobin A1C to 5.3. That was changing diet. That was working on lifestyle modifications, and that's what we talk about in this podcast. They also let me know that their weight dropped from 318 pounds to 273 pounds. They can friggin' move again. This is awesome. These are the results that you can get from implementing the strategies that I promote in this podcast. Just so you know, I share these emails, and if you've got a success story, please send it to me. One, it makes me feel like what I'm doing, my purpose here on this podcast is being fulfilled, letting you know that you can live a naturally healthy life. Two, I share it with you so that you understand that listeners, other people understand that it is possible to reverse their type 2 diabetes. It is possible for everybody. I believe that type 2 diabetes is a normal response that the human body has to feeding it abnormal foods, abnormal things. When we feed ourselves foods that are not aligned with our biology, we develop diseases like type 2 diabetes. Okay. Now there are caveats there and I'm not going to deny that. There are certain human beings who will end up with type 2 diabetes that may be genetically predispositioned. I'm not going to deny that. However, I am going to offer you that if you are eating these Franken foods that are sold out there in the grocery store, and I would offer that 80% of what's in the grocery store is Franken food, it is not food that is found by a human being in nature. It is food that is created by food manufacturers frequently to exploit our neurochemistry, which is what we're going to talk about today, in order for you to want that food all the time. 
and that food then makes you sick with type 2 diabetes, that is the majority of the food out there in the grocery store. And if you're eating those foods and you have type 2 diabetes, I want to offer to you that changing that food that you're eating will also improve your health. You do not need to rely on medications. You have so much agency in creating a naturally healthy life and a naturally healthy body and learning how to live in agreement, in alignment with the biology that the human being is, okay? I was just talking with a client and we were having the conversation about how their brain was offering them that candy was okay. Like just a little bit of candy isn't a problem. And I offered that, what do you feed your dog? That was my question. What do you feed your dog? I know this client of mine particularly, she loves her dog. She loves her dog so much. And she takes care of, immaculate care of her dog. And I said, what are you feeding your dog? And she was able to tell me the exact brand and formula of food that she fed her dog. And she knew what was in the dog food. And I offered to her, you put more thought about the food that you feed your dog than what you put into your own body. Do you know even what's in that candy that you're eating? Most of the time we don't know what's in the foods that we're eating that are making us sick, okay? We put more thought into what we feed our animals, our pets, than we do what we feed ourselves. And what I want to offer to you is those foods that you're feeding yourselves that you're not putting a lot of thought behind is what is causing your type 2 diabetes. And when we learn to change that, then we learn to live naturally healthy lives. So if learning how to do this, if you're interested in learning how to do this for you and creating these results for your health, recognize there is help. My program works with women who have type 2 diabetes or prediabetes that want to reverse that disease process. It's a six-month program. If you're interested in that, send me a message, Delane at Delane MD. I'm happy to set you up for a consult so you can figure out how my program will work for you to help you reverse your type 2 diabetes. Delane at Delane MD. We'll set up some time to meet. Okay, so today we are going to talk about why you keep eating the foods that you know does not serve your health. You understand these foods are making you sick, but you continue to eat them even though you know this. Today we're going to talk about the neurochemistry, the biology that goes behind why that happens. Most of the time we find that we make poor food choices when we're stressed, when we're anxious, when we're bored when we are overwhelmed, there's all sorts of emotions that go behind this. It's very rare that a client comes to me and says, I felt totally in control. I felt fabulous. I felt like I was strong and empowered and I chose to eat a Snickers bar and my blood sugar shot up to 300. That's a very rare scenario. In fact, I would offer that I've never had a client come to me and say that. Typically it's, I was busy. I was running around. I didn't have enough time. I felt so much was on my plate and I was overwhelmed and I just went through and I got whatever fast food place was near me. And because I felt disappointed because I was putting myself on the back burner and not taking care of myself, I decided to order a shake along with it. And after that, I felt so depressed about the decisions that I made throughout the day that I went home and I sat with a bag of Oreo cookies on the couch and watched TV. This is typically what comes to these bad decisions when we make these decisions that do not align with our food goals, with our health goals. It is usually driven from a series of feelings that we don't want to have. I don't want to feel overwhelmed. 
I don't want to feel like I've got to make the hard decision of eating healthy when I've already made the hard decision of doing all these things that I had to do throughout the day. I don't want to make the hard decision of not eating the Oreos while I sit and watch TV after I've made all of the decisions throughout the day. It's overwhelming. I'm exhausted. I don't want to sit and do this boring task, the hard decision of the boring task, and then in addition to it, make the hard decision of not eating the M&Ms. I don't want to do it. Those are the feelings and the thought combinations that lead to eating foods like M&Ms and Oreos and burgers and fries and shakes, the foods that are making our bodies physically sick with type 2 diabetes. So recognize when you are stressed, when you're overwhelmed, when you're feeling out of control, there is an element of these stress hormones, epinephrine, norepinephrine, also called adrenaline. I think noradrenaline is like the norepinephrine, an old terminology for norepinephrine. These are stress hormones, and they are meant to protect you or to save your life from a true life or death stressor. The problem is that the human body does not know the difference between a life or death stressor and a work stressor and a bill stressor and a family argument stressor. The body does not know the difference between these two things. So the body releases the same response, the same biological response to a bill unexpectedly being arrived and causing you stress as it would to an animal chasing you and trying to kill you, the stress that would come along with that. Your body doesn't know the difference. The biological response is the same in those scenarios, okay? So when you're producing epinephrine, when you're producing norepinephrine, when you're under this stress response, it is meant to drive the ability for your brain to act very quickly and determine the next best step. What is the next best step that keeps us from dying as a saber tooth is chasing us? So your brain is processing every option, every scenario as quickly as possible to try to figure out where you need to go in order not to die in this moment. Our brain is not consumed with thinking about five steps ahead or tomorrow morning or what's going to happen once I do this. Our brain doesn't do that. It is the immediate step I need to take to keep myself from dying. So if you think about this in a true life or death scenario, we can run into problems this way, okay? So if you are walking in a dark alley in a bad part of town and somebody starts to pursue you, starts to follow you, you're gonna release this adrenaline. And that adrenaline is going to drive you to assess the environment, the situation, and see what the next best step is. I can keep going straight, but this alley is really long. Is there another option that's better? I could stop and fight, but I don't know that I could win the fight. Is there another better option? I could jump in this dumpster and hide, but they'll have seen that I've done that, so it's not really hiding. What's the next best option? I could walk into this open doorway and maybe evade this assailant, this person who's stalking me or whatever, this person who's coming after me, maybe that's the right answer. Your brain runs through as many scenarios as it possibly can as quickly as it can, looking at only the next step. 
So maybe you take the option of going in the open door because the other options seem like they're very clearly not going to work for you. You go in the open door and you find yourself filled with a room full of maybe people who look more shady than the person who's chasing you, right? Maybe these people are even scarier than the person that was chasing you and you realize you've made a wrong move. What you did not assess in the moment was, I'm in a shady part of town and chances are really good that whatever's going on in this building is not any better than what's going on outside, right? Because again, we're not looking, we're not doing any calculation. We are merely looking at the very next step. And is it the best step available to me? Okay. This is why making decisions under the effect of epinephrine and adrenaline or adrenaline and norepinephrine, those, those neurotransmitters, these stress neurotransmitters, this is why making decisions under the effect of those neurotransmitters is not ideal. Okay. So when you're stressed out because you're not going to get all the things that you need to get done because your schedule is super busy and you're super overwhelmed, somebody just added something more that you've got to take care of today and you don't have time for it and you're not going to get these things that you want to get done and you're heaping adrenaline and noradrenaline, epinephrine and norepinephrine onto your brain the decisions that you make when those hormones, those neurotransmitters are such that you are only going to look at the next step right in front of you. You're going to look at how to make it easiest, how to make it, how to avoid the stressors as quickly as possible in the next few steps, one to two steps. You're not looking long-term. So if it's time to eat and there's pizza in the break room, You're not looking at four hours from now when your blood sugars are out of control or next week when your blood sugars are still high or two years from now when you've got kidney disease and eye disease or heart disease or whatever from eating these foods. You're not looking at that. And the reason that you're not looking at that is because you're only considering the next step because your brain is bathed in these stress hormones. Okay. And then what you do, this is the out of control effect. Why do I continue to do this even though it doesn't work for me? I'm eating these foods even though they do not align with my biology. Why am I doing this? This is why. Because when you eat these foods, when you eat the pizza and it's loaded with carbohydrates and there's sugar in there also, even though you don't taste it, your body releases dopamine into the brain. Those carbohydrates bind receptors in our brain that release dopamine into our brain. When you eat candy because you're stressed like this, again, those carbohydrates, those sugars, bind receptors in your brain and release dopamine into your brain. When you smoke cigarettes, cigarettes, same thing, right? When you smoke cigarettes, it binds a receptor in your brain that releases a feel-good neurotransmitter into your brain. And on down the pathway, you get dopamine from that. So what dopamine does is, yes, it makes you feel good, but dopamine also drives motivation to repeat a behavior. That's really what dopamine does, is it drives motivation to repeat behaviors. So if you think about it, in nature, your body does not come in to contact with such a dose of carbohydrates in pure form carbohydrates 
as candy, right? Like candy is just pure carbohydrates. There's a little bit of fat. There's not really any fiber. It's carbohydrates. Your human body does not have access to that in nature. Same thing with the pizza. Like the combination of macronutrients and the concentration of carbohydrates is not available to the human being in nature. There's not a natural source that has a similar macronutrient ratio as pizza, as Wheat Thins crackers, as M&Ms, as Snickers bars, as ice cream. That's not available to the human being in nature. When we eat those foods, we're eating an artificial food. It's artificially available. It's not a naturally occurring thing. It's artificially occurring. And what happens is we get an artificially intense release of dopamine in our brain, which then drives an artificially exaggerated motivation response to repeat that behavior. And when we have a stressor and we're making decisions under the effect of epinephrine in our brain, and in the past we've had this artificially intense motivator in the form of dopamine released when we eat these foods, you are going to be heavily motivated to repeat that behavior in those tense, stressed situations. That is why you continue to eat food even though you know it makes you sick under these scenarios because you have this artificially exaggerated motivator that tells you to do this. This is why it's so hard. In the moment, it seems like instant gratification, and it's not that there's not instant gratification. There is some instant gratification that's coming along, but the combination of the stress and the stress neurotransmitters with the history of the intense motivation to repeat this behavior is what creates the cycle of eating foods that do not serve us. Sometimes you may not be stressed. Sometimes it may be something as simple as boredom. But again, every time that you have eaten these foods when you're bored and you get this intense motivator released into your brain, a motivator to repeat that behavior, anytime you experience boredom, you're going to have an intense motivator that tells you to repeat that behavior. That's what's creating this, okay? So it's nice to know that this is kind of the neurochemistry that's occurring. How do we fix it? Well, part of the way of fixing it is being aware that this is happening. Of course, whenever I'm stressed out, my brain is going to offer me candy. Of course it is. It's what it's done all these years. And it's an artificially intense or exaggerated motivation to repeat it because it's what it's done all these years. And I didn't know that was happening before, but now I do. And I don't have to be surprised. There's nothing wrong. I can sit with this urge and feel it knowing that, of course, this is exactly how it's supposed to play out because it's how it's always been done. To learn to do something different, I have to do something different. I can't continue to comply with the intense offering or motivation my brain is giving me to have these foods. Because when I do, I give a positive reinforcement to that behavior next time. That's all it is. Nothing's wrong. You're not broke. I'm not broke. Your body isn't broke. 
It's just the way it works. Of course, this is how it should be happening because it's how it's always happened. That's the first step. And then the second step is over time, you practice not meeting these stressful situations with those foods. And over time, your brain starts to forget that motivation to repeat it. And it doesn't offer it as intensely anymore. It probably will always offer it because brains are brains. Like this is how it works. Our brain wants to make life a little easier. This food gives us an instant gratification. It feels great. Doesn't that seem like it's easier? And again, because you're making these decisions under the effect of epinephrine and norepinephrine, you're only looking at what's going to happen right in front of you, not long term. So the first step is one to realize that it's happening and nothing's wrong. And then the second step is to stop giving that reinforcement, that positive reinforcement to repeat that behavior. Okay. This is where coaching comes in, guys. There is nothing magical. There's no pill that you're ever going to take that changes this. There is no pill you're ever going to take that fixes this neurochemical issue. This is a behavior. This is coaching. This is changing my behaviors to change my body. That's what's happening here. Recognize there is this relationship, this two-way road. Your thoughts and your brain changes your behaviors and your behaviors will change your thoughts and your brain. And that's what we work on in coaching. So I hope this is helpful. I think that this is, this is like the bread and butter of the world, not to use bread and butter lightly, but this is the magic sauce to how the world works. The realization that our brain has such an incredible power over us and to see it for what it is and how it works, deconstruct that so it's not magical and then figure out how I just need to use these tools, how I need to work with my brain in order to create the results that I want. And that is coaching. If that's something you think would be helpful, if that's something that you need in your life to fix and finally put this diabetes thing behind you, there is help. My program helps people with this. Reach out to me, Delane at DelaneMD.com. I'm happy to set you up so you can figure out how my program will help you with this and we can get you started on that. I hope this has been helpful. If you have any questions about this, also send me the emails. I love hearing the questions. If you're getting results just by listening to this podcast, I really want to hear from you. And I will definitely share it on the podcast. So you should prep yourself or at least tell me you don't want me sharing it on the podcast. But recognize I put time and effort into putting this podcast out every week because it is so important to me that you hear that there is another way. So if you're finding help from this, please reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. I hope this was helpful. Have a great week and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.